Ephesians, the sixth chapter, with your notes there, young people, with your notes out and your Bible open. We'll get back to next week uh, to being ready. So uh, I want y'all to know the only thing that kept me from calling all the camp people up to sing nothing but the blood, that's the only thing the girls sang all week long. Tell them what the boys sang. We sang all but what? All but two of the hymns, we, we worked through them. And, and every time we sat down, if, uh, if I didn't sing the hymn, somebody would raise their hand and tell me what? We forgot to sing. It was usually Jonathan. I bet Jonathan's got a beautiful voice. Y'all, y'all know I can't hear anyway, but I bet Jonathan's got, got a great voice. So all I think kept me from calling you guys up here was that uh, I've got quite a bit to say today, and we probably need to get on with it. So we started on Father's Day. We, I'm sorry, we started on Mother's Day. We continued on Father's Day. We had a Children's Day. That, that opened my eyes to how little we have expected from our children and how much we ought to expect from them. So it opened my eyes. And then the last two weeks, we've looked at the duty of parents. Uh, and and I'll, I'll, I'll have a little plug for... Uh, for the material that we have available to you too. So let me let me just let me just say this: we can't get to you in two hours every week what we need to get to you. Are y'all with me? Okay. So the world's after us every waking hour. Maybe in our sleeping hour, the world's after us. So to combat that, we we need to have lots of time with the Lord. Amen. And so. Uh, Two hours a week, Wednesday night and Sunday morning, won't get it. So that's why we make available to you such good reading stuff. And we, uh, we pray that you would take advantage of it. Uh, I challenge you to become readers of God's Word and readers of good stuff. So the duties of parents, Ephesians 6.4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, in particular, that's what we're looking at today, bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Two specific things, and then we will add on that once that happens, as they grow older, you will be able to disciple them in their walk with the Lord. That's where we want to get. So what is God's design for the family? What does that design look like for mothers and fathers and children? Well, God's got a plan. And he lays it out to us clearly. And that's the only thing that's going to enable us to do family, to do marriage the way God would have us to do it. And the only way to truly be blessed. So how do we get there? Well, we, we constantly preach the gospel, but we also constantly look for God's design in His Word. That's what we look for. And it's all in here. Husbands, wives, children, it's, it's all in here. We must empower individuals to be God, what God intended for them to be. Uh, we, the, the boys had such a grasp of, uh, of, of the role of a, a man in, in, in the family a leader, a protector, a provider, a lover. And they, they can quote that to you. And that's God's purpose for the man to be the leader, 
the protector, the provider, the lover of the family. That's the way God designed it. That's what the man is to be. And we looked at that closely this week. So what can we do? We can empower one boy, one man at a time to become the man of God that God would have them to be. That's all we can do. And we can't do that without the, uh, without the help of the Holy Spirit of God. For a man to find his significance, for a mother to find her significance, for children to find their significance, they've got to do what God intended for them to do. So, three things that we began to look at. Three simple things. Living every day for God's glory, living in expectation of heaven, and living with a goal of taking my wife and my kids to heaven with me. Did you know that's really the only eternal job? Uh, that's the only job of any real significance because it has eternal impacts to it. A father's primary purpose in life is to go to heaven and take all his kids with him and his wife. A mother's primary purpose is to help her husband become the man of God God wants him to be, to birth and to raise the children. First and primary to be a loving, supporting wife, and to birth and to raise the children to know the Lord. Malachi 2.15, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. That's what we need. That's what we need. We need godly men, godly women. We need godly offspring to go out into the world and, and, and to duplicate what happened in that home that we might have many godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. So my devotional this morning, my devotional this morning, uh, he's a Baptist preacher somewhere up north. His name is W. Glenn Evans. And because Jimmy and I have a, a common friend, he gave us both this devotional. And, and, and I'll just tell you, it's, it's not Spurgeon. It's not James Smith. It's not J Jonathan Edwards. But, but, but it's pretty good. And because my friend warned me too, I'm reading it. So here's what he said this morning. Only one walk through life, only one walk through life and eternity depending upon what we do in it. Okay? We only got one walk through this life. We're going to walk it out one time. And what we do in it our eternity depends upon that. You've heard me say before, we are here to get to know God, to be prepared for eternity. Because what, what are we going to do? We're all going to die. We're all going to be buried. We're all going to be resurrected to face judgment. We're all going to spend an eternity in heaven or hell. That's the truth of the matter. We've got to be ready for that. You just have as long as you've got breath to do that. One life to do that in. My thoughts, now listen to this. After I read that devotion, my thoughts. We only have one chance with our kids. And their eternity depends, partially at least, on what we do with them spiritually. 
Now, aren't we glad that God's sovereign and He can overcome our inadequacies? But we have a great responsibility to raise our children spiritually. And we only have one life and a very short time to do that. I believe 10 or 11 years. Then they get to where they know everything and they're too big to be taught. So, man, you got 10 or 11 years, throw yourself in it. So what's the problem? Why aren't we doing that? I'm going to tell you. I, I, it's Scripture. I don't think you've got it because I think I added this after the text, uh, after the, the, the program was done. But listen to me. This is what I think. I think this Scripture in Mark, the fourth chapter, turn there in your Bibles. Hold where you're at. We're going, we're going right back to Ephesians. Mark, chapter 4, look at verses 18 and 19. Why aren't we throwing ourselves into our wives? Why aren't we throwing ourselves into our children? Why are we not throwing ourselves into the church and the advancement of His kingdom? Why aren't we doing that? Well, here it is. This is the, the parable of the, of the seed and the sower and the soils. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word. But here it is. But the cares of this world... And the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. I think that's, that's what happens to us all. If we're not careful, we'll be caught up with the cares of this world. And let me tell you, this world's time here is short. I don't care if you live to be 90. When you compare that to 10,000 years, that's a short amount of time. Three weeks ago, we looked at the duties of children. You children looking at me this morning? Okay. You got two, two things to do. What is it? Obey your parents and what? Honor and respect your parents. And what is the promise? If you do that, you'll have a good long life. That's what we looked at. We looked at how serious it is. Matthew 15, 4 says, For God commanded, honor your father and mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. It is a serious... Children, listen to me. It's a, it is a serious thing to disrespect your parents. God does not look upon that lightly. And parents, it is your job when they do disrespect you to correct them. And we'll look at that this morning. That's what we looked at three weeks ago. Last week, we looked at the scriptural mandate for fathers in particular, did you hear me? And mothers in assisting to intentionally raise their children to do what? Know the Lord. Here were the seven points we looked at. So when, you, when we're gone from here, on our deathbed, we might draw our children to us like Jacob did and give them their blessings and hopefully not their curses and to tell them, wouldn't it be great if we'd raise our kids and we could call them to us and say, I have no regrets. That's what we, wouldn't that be great? But when we get through with them, we'll all have regrets, won't we? I have regrets. Do all that we do out of love, not desiring to crush or destroy the child. 
Fathers commanded by God to train his children and his household in the ways of the Lord for their good. It'll be good for them. The training is to be intentional, diligent, and systematic. Every generation must be trained. We read it in the Psalms every morning. Every generation must be trained. Discipline them while they're young. I want to tell you, an 18-month-old, a 3-month-old is a whole lot easier to discipline than a 17-year-old. And I'll just tell you, you're either going to have, sometime you're going to have to discipline your kids. Or you'll probably always be raising them. If you want your children to walk, listen carefully. This goes a whole lot today's message. If you want your children to walk on a particular path, you must walk that path yourself and instruct them to find that path. They're going to, I want to tell you, of all the words that came out of my mouth and Pablo's mouth this week and all that might come out of your mouths, it's all important, but the most important thing is they see the walk. Now, why would you do that? What's the promise? If you do, that they'd bring you joy and not grief. Oh, there's some mamas in here that could tell you the grief that a child can bring. Now, all we can do is raise them up the best we can that they not bring those griefs. And the, the best way to do that, the best thing to do is to let them and help them find Jesus. So today, what does that training process look like? It's pretty easy. It's pretty simple as you outlined it. It's not that easy to do. Now, next week, we're going to get back to Matthew chapter 24, and I'm pretty excited about that and being ready. So let's look at Ephesians 6, 4 again. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So what are fathers and mothers to do? Where can we go for advice? Well, let me tell you where not to go. Do not go to Amazon and find the the latest secular book on how to raise your kids. Don't call some child psychologist in to tell you how to raise your kids. Go read the Bible. Listen to the pastor's message. Pick up every good book you can find from chapel, library, or from Alistair Beggs or from Vody Bachman, pick up every good book you can on raising your kids and read it and do it. That's what you can do. Return to the ancient ways. You know the scripture. Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we'll not walk in it. So, why wouldn't we walk in it? Is it rebellion? Wait wait a minute. Is it outright rebellion? Well, I hope not. What did I tell you? I think because we get so caught up in this world that we don't have time. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I don't think you're being outright rebellious. I just think you're trying to do too much. And it's crazy to me, the spiritual things always get cut out first. 
Now that's not smart. The last few years we've been talking about family worship. Well, we're hammering down on it. But you're going to have to take hold because come January we're going to move on. We're going to move on to Christ and Him resurrected. We're going to move on to the person of Christ. We're going to move on. You're going to have to take hold. Read all you can. We've been trying to teach moms and dads about evangelizing and discipling their children. You can. You can. Listen, everything Lewis and I taught up there this week, if you've got an eighth grade education and can read, you can teach them. And let me just tell you this. They will get a whole lot more out of it from you than from me. Why? Because God has put it in them that you're the most important person in their life and they'll listen to you. So, you know John Bunyan, right? Pilgrim's Progress. 1600s, guys. 1700s, 1800s, 1900s. Really. 16, 17, 18, two. Wow, old guy, right? Now, this is a little bit of a prayer phrase, okay? Because... Sometimes Bunyan uses a lot of English that we don't understand. So this is a little bit of prayer phrase, but I want to give him all credit for it. Listen to me. Look at me, please, adults. Your child has an eternal soul. They have an eternity coming in one of two places. They must be born of God, born again, just like you must. They must be born again just as well as we must be born again or else we and they will be assigned to a burning hell and torment forever. Listen very carefully. Unless we are careful and thoughtful of those whom you have given life to, did you hear that? If Unless we're careful and thoughtful of those whom you gave birth to, they will perish for our lack of attention. I promise you, when I stand before God in judgment, He's not going to ask me the first question, what did you do with that church for 30 years? He's going to say, what did you do with that woman? And what did you do with those two children I gave you? That's going to be His first question to me. Because they are my direct responsibility. What we have seen clearly in Scripture is hard work. Well, I promise you guys this. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just pick on one, okay? If you went to Laura's house for a week and took care of those three kids, you would be, you would be running back to work on Monday. Did y'all hear me? That's just, I'm just picking one. It's work. It's eternal work. Now listen. Listen to me carefully. Like Adam, we're lazy and we're passive unless we're motivated by the grace of God. I'm done with Bunyan. I'm back to Bruce now, okay? That was all Bunyan. We must be about three things. Discipline, instruction, 
and discipleship. I want to just tell you, it's like a whole lot of other things. If you don't get the discipline part down, the other two are an impossibility. What did Vody Bachman say when he wrote Family Driven Faith? When he came to this knowledge and understanding, they had a 10-year-old rebellious daughter. They had to go back and teach her discipline. One-year-old's easier than a 10-year-old. Two-year-old's easier than a 12-year-old. A three-year-old's easier than a 13-year-old. But it's hard work. And we're going to pray that through the Mother's Day message, the Father's Day message, a message to our young people that God would use this and these two messages about the duties of parents that God might call us to repentance and a substantial change of course in what we're doing with our kids. Malachi 4, 6, And he'll turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction, a curse, another translation says. Do you think that might have anything to do with why God has turned on America? I don't think we can look as deer in the headlight look and, and let that pass by us. It's obvious that parents have abdicated the raising of their children, especially the education of their children, spiritually and otherwise, to the government. And I promise you, they do not have the agenda to raise your kids to know the Lord. Why would I say that? Well, I know who the prince of this world is. And the prince of this world is the devil. Ephesians 6, 4 again. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So how do we do this? I am amazed, as much as I believe in providence and the decrees of God, I'm amazed we get back from camp and uh, uh, we got something from from, uh, uh, Our Daily Bread. You know the little Our Daily Bread devotional? They sent out out a a deal, and they've got a new uh, outreach program. It's your kids, and, and, and that's going to be in your program next week. Okay, we support our daily bread. We pass out their devotionals. But they're talking about, I forget the percentage of the kids. Laura's got it in her hand. I showed it to her. The percentage of the kids, listen, teenage kids that, that use this word, that they're constantly on TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, constantly on it. Listen, we, we had young men to tell us about all the time they sleep because you know what they're doing all night. Listen, after being a part of two weeks of camp, listen to me carefully. And, and I can point out 12 adults to corroborate what I'm telling you. Are you listening? Our children are in serious trouble. It starts at the house. They're not getting the training that they should have. And we've turned babysitting over to the phone. 
And let me, what, let me tell you what they're getting on the phone. The devil. Y'all hear me? If they don't have one, don't get them one. If they have one, my suggestion would be for you to get it. Or I would do this. I'd look for the first opportunity to get it, and I'd get it. If you think they have to, have to have a phone, uh, Paul and I can put you on a flip phone that they can talk and text on. If you're so concerned about them being able to get a hold of you, if that's your main concern, I want to tell you, you can get rid of that smartphone. You can have a flip phone. It's $15 a month or maybe 10 They are being deceived by the devil. His world and technology of all kinds. I'd never heard, I'd never heard it before. <clears throat> Having your shirt pulled up over your head. And, and so the, the gist was you pull the shirt up over your head and some people are smart enough when they get in a scrap, they pull the shirt up over the other guy's head to beat the snot out of him. Well, you... You, and you are allowing your children to have their shirt pulled up over their heads and being deceived by the devil. So how can we fix this mess and have no regrets? Today, a specific, detailed, three-step process that must be worked through. Look at Deuteronomy 6, 7. You shall teach them diligently. Talking about the laws of God, commands of God, heaven, hell, righteousness, holiness, eternity. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Genesis eighteen nineteen, For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. He has given a command to the father. He has given a duty to the father and the parents to raise their children diligently. So Moses makes it clear that the passing on of the faith, listen to this, must be intentional. You can't take for granted that it's happened. Today calls for action from the church and parents. Listen, when you know that a generation is under attack, it calls for action from the church and from parents to rise up against it. What, what, the, what, what did the guy, what was the chant in the, the, the queer parade in New York? We're queer, we're here, we're coming for your kids. The children must have help. And today, not tomorrow. Listen to me. If the kids need help, that's why he gave them parents. And I just want to remind your parents two things. 
down the road, they will wish that you had given them more of yourself than more stuff. Now, right now, it's all about them. I want everything else that every other kid's got. Okay? So, they'd rather have you than, than their stuff. And listen, the second thing. If you can please them today, that, that, that's great. But your goal should not be that they be pleased today, but they have eternity in heaven to spend in. You with me? There's no correlation here. Happiness here, okay, doesn't doesn't flip over to happiness in eternity. And all the happiness here and to miss heaven would not be good. So this is why the church must equip, and listen to this word, insist that parents do their jobs. I have hope. I have hope that somewhere a small remnant will decide to back their ears, pray, study, and do it God's way, and lead their wives and their children to heaven. Living every day for God's glory. Living the expectation of heaven. Living to take my wife and my kids with me to heaven. This may be simple, but let me tell you, it is profound. It's the most impactful thing you could ever do. It will change our lives, the lives of our children, the church, society, and world, and give our children hope for eternity. Just look at society Just look at society today. All the craziness that's going on. I got a new word for you. I'm going to start using this word instead of craziness because I got it from Dylan. And I want to tell you, Dylan is the Baylor outer because Lewis demanded answers or questions and answers, and Dylan would always bail them out. So instead of crazy, what was it, Dylan? Foolish. Foolish. foolish it's crazy it's foolish how did we get there come on now we have let somebody else raise our kids for how many generations when are we going to stop the foolishness God gave you parents to them to raise them I have hope We saw last week that the Bible mandates and gives avenue, the avenue and the method of this happening. It's certain that the manners of the world are not working, are they? Wait a minute. Maybe the manners of this world are working. Come on now. Let me tell you what the world's about. Let me tell you what secular government, let me tell you what the world's about. Kill, steal, and destroy your kids. They, listen to me, they are not out for their good. They're out for their destruction. 
The Bible alone gives us the proper and age-old plan for raising kids. What's it say in Ephesians 6, 4? How many times have we read it this morning? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed. Now listen to this next statement. Knowing from whom you have learned it. You know what that means? It means that Lois and Eunice had a whole lot more impact upon their kids than Paul or another one of the apostles or another one of the preachers had. Knowing from whom you've learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The discipline, instruction, and discipling of our children are some of the good works that the Bible instructs us in. Just last week we saw the mountain of scriptures dealing with raising our children to know the Lord. So we got to return to the ancient path. And so now to the, to the meat of the message today. So what does this look like practically? Practically speaking, discipline, instruction, and discipleship. We got to, we got to teach them to push through. Somebody asked me at camp this week, is this supposed to be fun? I'm afraid that we're raising a generation that everything's got to be fun. Or everything you do has got to be something you want to do. Well, I'm telling you, young people, if you don't want to know, if you want to know how hard it is to push through, just think how hard it is for you, your mom and dad to raise you to know the Lord. That is not easy. It is not easy to work 10 or 11 hours somewhere outside all day and come home and have time to have a devotion with your kids. That is not easy. If you don't push through, you'll go to bed. You've got to learn to push through. So today, the how. What are we to do specifically in helping our kids to find God and live in obedience and honor God and others in authority. Number one, discipline. You must teach them obedience and respect or honoring, honoring authority. You must teach them. What, what command does God give to them? Obey your parents, respect your parents, honor your parents. You have to, they, listen, they are just like you are. They just like Adam was. They are rebellious. They don't naturally fall into that. Children, obey and honor and respect your parents. Listen to me, children. Uh, I had a little conversation with a young man this morning. I heard his mama say, that's the third time I've told you to do that. So I said, which time that your mama tells you to do something are you supposed to act upon? One, 
two, or three? Guess what he told me? One. And when you do obey them, children, do it with respect. Don't do it all sold up. Do it with honor and respect. Submitting to authority. It's a biblical mandate. And parents, it is your responsibility to discipline them so that they are obedient and they are respectful. Are you with me? Teach them to do what they're told to do when they're told. Here's some more bunion. If it's in italics, it's bunion. If it's bunion or God's scripture, it's good. It's for me, you probably, you just have to cipher through it. Now, so I'm telling you this, Bunyan would say, now do this to purpose. That's, his, that's one of his statements. All right, you ready, dads and moms? See if kind and gentle words will get them to turn from sin and rebellion and turn to obedience and respect. Try kind words. Y'all with me? That'd be the way to go, wouldn't it? It'd be good for everybody if we went that way. Amen? Number two, let your words be thoughtful, few, and direct to the point. I or them or nobody else wants a dissertation. Just tell me what you want me to do. Number three, ask questions and make sure they have not taken up with pagans and heathens. You know what that means? You know who their friends are. I heard somebody talk about during the camp, we've never been allowed to, to go to a sleepover. I said, that's a wise mom and daddy that doesn't allow that. They ought to be thankful for mamas and daddies like that. Listen, if they're running with pagans and heathens, tell me what they're going to be. There you go. So what you got to do is convince them that you don't dislike their friends. You just dislike their actions. You know what they're going to tell you. Oh, you don't understand. I, hey, I can remember that. Yeah, you do understand. They're pagans and heathens, and you don't need to be running around with them. Psalm 99.8. Oh, Lord, our God, you answered them. You are forgiving God to them. But listen, listen to this. But an avenger of their wrongdoings. There is, there is the wrath of God to be experienced for wrongdoing. You don't need to put them with pagan friends that they might learn that wrongdoing. Number four, let all of the above be mixed with such love, devotion, and humbleness, and prayer. Number five, be often convincing them of the day of their death and the judgment to come. Listen, they can hear it from me. What? Death, burial, resurrection, judgment, eternity. They can hear it from me. You know, they, they need to hear from you. That's the way it is. That's the way it's going to be. You must be ready. Deuteronomy 32, 29. If they were wise, they would understand this. They would discern their latter end. Parents, it is our responsibility to teach our children that there is an end of this life and an eternity. 
Listen to me. They've heard it from me. They've heard it from me. They've heard it from me. But it will make a point when they hear it from you. Now, if you don't believe that, you need to get saved. If you're not worried about eternity, you need to get saved. Number six, if you're driven to spank them, do not spank them in anger. Bunyan calls it, do it with a cold blood, not a hot blood. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So, don't do it when you're angry. Now listen, these next points are absolutely phenomenal. All right, when you leave here, there's books out in the front in Spanish and in English that's got all of this right here in it. It, it, is, it, is, it is phenomenal stuff. Listen to these four points. If you spank them, before you spank them, tell them calmly what they're being spanked for. Number two, tell them that it breaks your heart to have to spank them like this. That you're doing, what you're doing is in obedience to the Lord and His Word and your love for them. The Lord said, spare the rod and spoil the child. I'm doing this and they know it because I love you. Tell them, tell them up front, if instruction would have worked, you would not have spanked them. And you know what you're trying to do? You're trying to get to their heart. Remember what David Miller said? He said his mama had it figured out that the rear end was connected to the brain. Okay? Well, Bunyan is saying their rear end is connected to their heart, and that's what you're after. You're after their heart. Now listen, this next one, I'm telling you what, if we could all do this, if we all would do that, listen, I can, I can bring before you John Bunyan's, those old guys that would tell you that what changed their heart, what broke their heart, was a mama cr- praying over them, their heathenness and their paganism and begging God to save them and tears running down their eyes. So look at number seven. Pray over them with conviction and tears if possible. And in that prayer, leave the real work to God. You know what I'm saying? Don't whip them if you're not going to pray with them when you get through whipping them. Proverbs 22, 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Number two, discipline. Number two, instruction. Remember, you can't instruct without discipline. If, if they can't be still, if you can't get their attention, if they're not disciplined enough to do that, you're going to have a hard time with instruction. It is the parent's role and responsibility to instruct the children to believe like Christians and act like Christians. It's your responsibility. And so we have tools to do that with. Right here, this is the place to start, the Word of God. It ought to be read, read, taught, and memorized. Listen, you know why we're not teaching children Scripture memorization? Y'all tell me. We're too lazy to memorize it ourselves. I want to tell you, I don't believe there's any one thing that you could do any, any better than teaching your children to memorize Scripture. Where's, where's a good place to start? Well, we have 50, well, 
We're going to have about 100 answers in Genesis scripture that goes with the Sunday school material. That's a good place to start. So we're talking about instruction, right? I mean, this is, this is just stuff. The, the young men were challenged to go home and to study the children's catechism. And uh, it would be great that you assisted them in this. And I bring Lewis up here and show you how to do it. But he might not want to do that. So I'm going to do it with the guys, right? We're going to do it like Lewis taught us to do it. I'm just tell it, showing your parents. So I'm going to say it, answer it. I'm going to ask the question again, and y'all will help me, right? I wonder who's going to mess up this morning. Okay. Who made you? Dylan? Who made you? God made me. Who made you? That's the way it is. And so this is, this is done to teach. And, and the great thing about this little catechism, there's 134 of these. And in the back, if they look up the scripture that proves the answer, I promise you when I tell them to turn to the book of Matthew, they won't have any problem finding it. You talk about a Bible drill tool. This is it. So the young men have made a commitment to work through it. If you send a young man, man to camp, uh, see if he can help. So, catechism. Parents, you've got to buy into catechisms. You've got to read the catechism. We have an adult catechism. And when you get through with this, I'll give you an adult catechism. Maybe when you grow up in the Lord, I'll give you an adult catechism. No, I'm just teaching. I'm just teasing you. Uh, catechisms are great tools. Other good books. Listen, parents, you always got to be reading. Now, if we wanted to get to the truth of this matter, for most of you parents, if we took your phone and we figured out how much time you were on that phone, you would probably have time to read a good book like Pilgrim's Progress. Or you might be able to teach your children the hundred essential, essential truths of the Christian faith. Or you might become an authority on the godly home. Uh, listen to me. In 48 pages, you'll know a whole lot more about the godly home than you did before. Uh, Jennifer, you're closest to me. How, how does that say it in Spanish? Martin, can you read it? Okay, that's the same thing, right? The godly home? We got it in Spanish and English. I ordered about 10 books on fatherhood and motherhood and parenting, those kind of things. We could get every one of the 10 in Spanish except for one. And so I just, I just got this in, talking about toddlers, one to three years old, truth for toddlers, from Answers in Genesis, okay? You have a toddler, one to three-year-old? I've got, a, got one of these for you, okay? So, so what am I telling you? There's good stuff out there. Listen, you've got a, you've got a church. You've got a church that will put that good stuff into your hands, Right? I mean, we want to make it as easy as we can for you. So, you've got the attributes of God. You've got 
Spurgeon's morning and evening devotional, we've got a 1689 confession that teaches you what we believe. We've got all kinds of things for you to use to teach your children. We've got to discipline, and we've got to instruct them. Now, back to Bunyan. This is on instruction. You've got to do instruction with a purpose. You, you, you with me in the following the notes? Okay. You do it with words easy to be understood. 1 Corinthians 3, 2, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you're not ready for it. And even now you're not yet ready. You've got to teach children on the children's level the best you can. Hosea 12, 10 says, I spoke to the prophets. It was I who multiplied visions and through the prophets gave parables. Explain it to them in language that they can understand. Ask them if they understand. So do it with easy words to be understood. Number two, do not fill their heads with your opinion or worldly philosophy. Fill their heads with who God is. Amen? Talk of righteousness and holiness. This life and the next life, death, judgment and eternity. Talk to them about serious things. And if they don't know what righteousness or holiness or death or judgment or eternity is, get out your Bible dictionary and read it to them. Number three, there must be much gentleness, patience. And here's the key word. Maybe patience, the key word. Constancy. Over and over and over consistently doing it that they are not discouraged. Convince them by your instruction, your fervency, your, your fever for it, and by your actions that what you're teaching them is true. Look at 2 Timothy 3.14 again. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing, you, knowing from whom you learned it. Listen to me. I, I, wish I, I wish I could just implant this in your mind. If it's important to you, it will be important to your kids. I, what, 10 years, 15 years ago, MTV came out. They said, we own your kids. But when surveys were done, nobody had the influence upon kids more than who? Mom and daddy. So what you say to them does matter. Deuteronomy 6, 7, You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Hey, do y'all hear me? When you're awake and they're awake, you're always looking for what? An opportunity. An opportunity. So we've looked at discipline, we've looked at instruction, and finally discipleship. That's where, what, where you want to get is, when they get to be teenagers, you just want to walk this out with them. And you can do that if you've disciplined them and instructed them. But if you haven't done it by the time they get 13, you're still working on the first one. So how... So how, as your children grow older, how do we walk it out with them? It's a good question, right? Okay, they're not kids anymore. Family worship, 
serving in the local church together and striving to learn how to do this with their families. Listen, if they don't learn it with you, they'll probably never learn it. I mean, I'm an exception that I've, I, I never went to church with my mom and dad. Never saw my mom and dad with a Bible. None of that. I'm an exception that I came to know the Lord as an adult. Normally it doesn't happen. If they get out of your house not knowing the Lord, now I'm not telling you God can't do what He wants to do. It's pretty obvious with me, amen? But you have a, you have a terrible responsibility. So, make the things of the Lord not a priority. You know that scripture? Uh, and John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, you remember that? Behold, the Lamb of God, not a Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. Well, listen, don't make the things of the Lord a priority. Make it a priority. I mean, the priority. You with me? The priority. Some more bunion. I thought this was great. Do this to purpose. Make sure that they are not learning their misconduct from you. In other words, don't be teaching them something that someday you'll regret. Number two, do not take their sin, lack of integrity, or immorality lightly. Listen, their sin, their integrity, and their morality makes a difference. Number three, make sure you do not intentionally talk rudely to them or insult them, and when you do, apologize. So guys, if this week I was impatient with you or talked rudely to you or disrespectful to you, forgive me. I should set a better example. Did you hear me? Make sure that you do not intentionally talk rudely to them or insult them. Insult them. And listen, parents, you will be apologizing to your children continually because you're not a perfect parent. You're not going to do it perfectly. And when you know that, they need to know that you're quick to repent. And number four, do not make light of their conduct or joke about such matters. Listen, a person's conduct is no laughing matter. Their integrity, their morality is no laughing matter. Don't make light of it. So three scriptures in finishing. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let me, let me remind you, parents, that's why you need to get up in the morning, you need to get read up, you need to get prayed up, because I want to tell you, discipline and instruction is a 24-7 job, and it's, it, is, it is work, and it is tiring. Genesis 18, 19. Talking about Abraham, for I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after them to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Men, God gave you a responsibility. But you know what? You know what else I know about men? 
they got passivity from Adam. Adam didn't take care of business in the garden when the serpent came to deceive Eve. Men are passive. Sometimes they just let it slide. That's not the way God intended it. He gave men the responsibility for training his cho- the children in righteousness and justice. Deuteronomy 6, 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when? All the time. When you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Just some closing thoughts. Parents, love them. Love them. Wrap them up in your arms. Tell them that you love them. Be there. Let me tell you where to be in their lives. And I believe that, boy, I'm talking about now from 10 to 15, they don't need less of you. They need more of you. Church camp, several years ago, this was the advice to the young people, and they were, they were senior high students. This was, their, their, this was their advice to you. Ask questions, ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. Who are you running around with? What are you watching? What's on your phone? What were you doing in that situation? Ooh, it got quiet. Get in the middle of their business. Why did you do that? Why are you wearing that? Ask questions. Ask questions. Ask questions. Discipline them. And probably the sooner they learn what a swat to the rear is, the better. Instruct them. Teach them. I'm telling you, the feeble efforts that the church makes in teaching children is, is very lacking in what parents can do. Why? Because they are ordained of God to do it. He will equip you. He will multiply it. Disciple them. Walk it out with them. Talk to them. Do it for God's glory. Listen to me carefully. Your child's eternity hinges upon it. And when you do it God's way, expect God to bless. You've been very patient. Thank you so much.